I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. There is a transformational shift taking place in the design house space. It's a mashup, really, of the traditional idea of a design house and a reinvented version of the model home with its roots in Southern California architecture dating back to the 1950s and 60s. As LA's architectural engine was powering up, tract homes became a thing. The concept was simple. Take up large swaths of land and fill it with homes built from a handful of layouts, provide different color and material options so the customer can feel like they're getting something custom. Then take one model and completely dress it out. Create a -a one-of-a-kind aspirational space that really showcases what this home can become. Add in all the bells and whistles, custom features that everyone would want, that really led to the modern idea of the show house and the design houses to which we've all become accustomed. Recently, some brave developers and groundbreaking designers have teamed up to produce one-off model homes in the design house style. These homes are being used as event spaces, idea houses, while currently on the market, which obviously affects design, architecture, and traditional real estate. This new spin has created some really interesting partnerships, like the one you're about to hear. Brooke Gardner is an incredibly talented LA-based interior designer, and Rick Perkins is the brave developer and CEO of Perkins Development Group. In this episode, we walk through this amazing house and give you an inside look at a truly unique and amazing space. And first up is Rick, and later in the episode, you'll hear from Brooke. You're going to get two very interesting and different perspectives on the same project. This is really a he said, she said study, Uh, but instead of it being that of a male-female, it's developer-designer. They both took different creative ideas to get here, and as you'll see, they work incredibly well together. The Starview House is located in the hills above Brentwood. The home and the views are stunning, and you can see more of it uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, Instagram, and our Twitter account. If you like this episode of the podcast, and I hope that you do, why not subscribe to the show? It's easy, it's fast, and it's free. And uh, you can find a link to do just that in the show notes, or you can find uh, the podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond, a fantastic partner with over 70 years serving the design and architecture community here in Southern California. Snyder Diamond combines best-in-class service with highly curated products to provide an amazing experience. Russ Diamond president of Snyder Diamond, is the second generation of this family-owned and operated company. Russ travels the world looking for products that make life better. Made by companies who take the same level of pride in what they do as he does. These two elements combine make for a unique and unforgettable shopping experience. Snyder Diamond helps designers and architects provide their clients with the kitchen and baths of their dreams. If you haven't yet been to one of their three L.A. area locations, you should. You can also find them online at SnyderDiamond.com. Tell me about this space. Uh, The house is a pretty special property. Uh, When I first came to look at it, I noticed the view, uh, and that really spoke to me. And then I really noticed the architecture. Uh, The house was originally 
built by an architect. Um, his name was Jacob Tract. And what I liked about the property is the property is very articulated to the sun. So the whole back of the property is glass. Uh, we have large doors that open up. But the, uh, the sun rises and it hits that glass and lights the whole house in the morning until about midday when it's overhead. And then as the sun's setting, the sun sets right behind the house and there's windows back over uh, in the dining room and it bathes the entire property in the golden light and backlights the hills. So throughout the entire day, the house has got amazing light. Uh, and that's one of the main reasons I chose this property to, uh, uh, to be a redevelopment project. When you walk in and you start putting the plan together, right? what are you looking at? You say, okay, I want to, I want to, well, the Getty, obviously right. I want to showcase that. What else are you showcasing? Well, you showcase the view. Uh, and I really wanted to showcase the, the layout of the property. Um, we used, reused a lot of the old foundation. Uh, it was a remodel project, not a new construction project, um, because I wanted to keep those attributes of the building intact. Um, the layout of the property is, is really fantastic. You know, we moved the second story over to the view so you could get that and, and pretty much have a view from every room. Um, and then we also added, you know, the large uh, basement. And that was also showcasing the view. Did you have any challenges with structurally with the foundation? Because you mentioned it was, the, it was a similar foundation, but as you got into it, because we are on a hillside, Right. Um, and, and that is a that is a unique issue that you have to deal with in Southern California, especially in L.A. in this part of it. Correct. Did you have anything that you had to take into account? Oh, yeah. Um, hillside construction in general, um, you know, can make you lose sleep. Uh, but on this particular project, um, we we knew what we were going to do going into it. And, you know, the house is sitting on 36 caissons you know, 25 to 35 foot deep. There's a network of like 15 grade beams down there tying everything together, um, steel moment frames. So there's plenty of concrete and structural steel uh, to ensure that this property is not going anywhere. Um, and in doing that, it allowed us to open up the size of the space downstairs, which is IE, it doubles as the pool deck. A lot of people, when they, when they first see the property, uh, they say, oh, it's a, it's a great property, and they go out on the pool deck, and they don't realize they're actually standing you know, out in the view, and right below them is a massive basement. Which is great, and speaking of which, uh, let's go look at that. Let's go take a look. All right, so it, it, it feels like we're in a museum feels like we're in, it, a, in an art gallery. It does. Um, we specifically designed that hallway uh, that connects the basement uh, to the house to be that. Um, as, as a parent myself, there has to be something in the house for you, not just your entire family. And a lot of the friends that I have collect art. So I wanted to bring that element into, uh, into the house. Uh, as you move through the gallery and you get out to the basement, uh, which is this large, expansive space, uh, you really realize how big it is. Um, the basement literally has 
uh, 60 feet of glass facing the, uh, the view and where the sun rises, uh, which is pretty, pretty cool to have a view from your basement. Um, originally, we designed it partitioned off to have a yoga studio and a gym because I couldn't think about working out unless I had the doors open, you know, the sun rising at 830 in the morning and you still being in, in your house working out. It sounds like it's amazing, right? Um, right off of that, we had a partition originally drawn to, to put in an executive office. Um, Billy Rose, who uh, represents me as a broker, uh, told us, that, you know what? We should probably let the, the new buyer decide if they want to partition that off into a home theater or an executive office or, you know, what they want to do. So we did, uh, we did that and, and we left it open, which I'm, I'm really happy we did. It's interesting, too, because of how this, I, I guess we're calling it a basement. Right. It's not a basement. So it's pretty much third level. Yeah, and the way that it's structured with, you know, it's got bathroom level, it's got plenty of space. Theoretically, and, and this is something that's interesting for me, you know, as, an, as a native Angelino, I've seen L.A. change so dramatically. Right. N none more than how it has in probably the last 10 years, specifically with regard to residential, commercial, mobility, and the way that we live and the way that we work. If, if, a, you know, if a producer buys this house or, or, or anyone who runs their, their own business, you could theoretically actually run an entire business from this, this one level, but it, it's not detached from the home. It's really interesting how it was put together. Was that in mind? That was in mind. The, the whole basis of the basement is to give you another space to, to really live and let your hair down. I mean, a lot of people finish their basements, right? Um, a lot of people don't, and it's unfinished, and it's, you know, do whatever. The, the boom boom room, right? No, I'm sorry, what is that? <laughs> the boom boom room. I think we all know what those rapper guys do in the boom boom room. No, I, I don't. What are you uh, talking about? Well, I don't want to get into it. You know, there there might be a gimp down there. We never know. Some Pulp Fiction in there, but uh, as far as designing the basement, you can't do this anymore. Uh, Los Angeles. You're speaking about Los Angeles. They changed a lot of the Hillside Mansionization Act um, uh, code if you will, um, all our grading quantities are now changed and the amount of square footage below grade has changed. So believe it or not, you can't build this anymore. When I first purchased the property, I was in a mad rush um, to get my plans done and in the building department. So I was grandfathered in under the old Mansionization Act, not the revision. Um, and the old, uh, the old act allows us to excavate the grading quantities and to, to actually have uh, a basement like this, which you can't build anymore. It's kind of a shame that you can't do that because, you know, as far as aesthetically speaking, when you approach the house, it's still almost the same size. It was originally a 4,517 square foot structure. Uh, the second story was closer to the street rather than on the view side, and I re-articulated that. But as far as the, the, the original footprint of the house, it's in the exact same spot, and it's the exact same size. So to, to be able to lose 
you know, all of that beneficial space and not really affect your neighbors that much because you're on the hillside. It's like um, maybe the people of Los Angeles should should rethink that. But um, yeah, as far as design goes, um, it was a fun project for that reason, you know, racing into the building department to uh, to achieve that. Yeah, well, sort of two things that I sort of take take away from that. And it's really interesting the way that the way that you designed this space was you've you've got you've got a gallery space which truly that's what it is you've got a workout space set up which can be reimagined into just about anything you've got a, a home theater set up and again you can reimagine it into just about anything right. but it's it's a blank canvas it is it's a blank canvas and i think it was interesting too to come in and do that quickly i get just to back up a minute and talk about policy i get it and i think a lot of people get the the reimaginization and why you go in one direction, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense on a on a property by property basis. But from a square footage standpoint, I guess I understand it. The only thing that I wonder is, this would be undeveloped. There'd be no no real impact. It's not like more people. It's not like you would put in a multifamily dwelling where right. this would be somebody else, and you'd have more traffic on the on the hill. Right. You just wouldn't have a basement. Right. Yeah. Which essentially for developers, you know, the cost of building is so exorbitant nowadays. The cost of materials is so exorbitant. You actually need that square footage to make your numbers work. And that's the problem. It, it wouldn't have been a redevelopment project, you know, without it. Um, because I, I wouldn't, I would have more in the property than, uh, than I would be able to sell it for. So let me ask you about this too, because right now we're, sta we're standing under a swimming pool. Uh, we're standing next to the swimming pool. Next to the swimming pool. The swimming pool is original. It's the original shell. Okay. It's a lightning bolt shell, which is pretty cool. I'll take you up there and show you a little yeah. bit later on. Uh, but we we re-plastered it. I added a Baja shelf and a jacuzzi in the back. But we wanted to keep that intact um, and because you don't see those pools anymore. Everybody's got a square rectangular pool so they can put a cover on it. And, you know, Billy, the broker said, oh, no, you got to cover the pool. This is a family house. And I said, well, I don't want to rip that pool out and put a square in there because everybody's, you know, doing a box house with a square pool and it's cookie cutter. And I think that's part of the problem here. L.A.'s got such great architecture. We need to we need to keep some of that architecture intact. And, you know, I think the building department should help developers do that. But I mean, that's another story. Um, so the pool is off to the side, so and we did keep it. It's behind you to the left. It is behind me to the left. Okay. Now, you mentioned something else that's interesting, too, and, you know, the city and county of L.A. doing something to sort of save architecture, or, or they can do only so much, but ultimately, doesn't, it, doesn't the responsibility fall on the developers? Well, I mean, partially... I think the city should put in a benefit to keeping some of the old architecture instead of making it more efficient to tear it down. What would, what would you do? I'd put in a place bonuses for developers that kept uh, some of the style and the architecture of the house. Bonus in what sense? A, bonus, a square foot bonus. Um, you know, there's density bonuses in effect right now. So if you, if you live in a densely populated area, you're allowed uh, to put an ADU in. And they just changed the ADU laws. There used to be 15 feet away from your rear uh, yard setback. 
and now they're five. So the building department's changing those things, but I think there should be something in place to advocate the the harvesting of the architecture instead of just demolishing it and, and rebuilding. Because it's a lot easier, it's a lot easier for me to, to get a, d a demo crew in here and scrape the whole thing away and, and build new than it is to do a remodel. I mean, it's painstaking to do a, a project like this. Um, but I think in the long run, it's worth it because you get a better, nicer looking product and it makes the city look nice. I, I get that. You know what? And it's funny because this is a, a totally a conversation for another day. Right. But I love the topic and I think it's really interesting and I think it is great. When was this house originally built? The house was originally built in 1958 and it was built for Henry and Shirley Rose. Um, Any and relation to Billy? No. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, brokers the same last name um, no he uh, he came on after the fact after I already picked up the project but they were the only people that lived in the house they built it with Jacob Tract to be an exhibit home and it's funny this is kind of like the phoenix rising from the ashes this house you know was a fantastic home and when it was first built it was actually the first house with dimmers and recessed lighting and it was in the cover of a couple different magazines and I have all the old press and that's what kind of prompted me to do the the remodel project and keep a lot of those attributes and kind of bring that house back to its original glory rather than just scrape it and, and build a you know and build a square box yeah got it and and Downstairs, I mean, just the, the use of space. And the last thing I'll, I'll point out, which I think is really great, too, is using the, I don't want to call it an architecture trick, but uh, to, to, raise the, to raise the ceiling up behind you because it is darker and right. you, you don't get as much light to sort of let more light in and to give the, that optical illusion right. that the room is actually bigger. And, and it, it totally works. Right. Well, I, this is actually a drop ceiling down here because um, I I pitched the deck also to give it a little bit of effect um, not only to help my waterproofing um, but to give the room that or that uh, that outside appearance like that everything has an angle yeah and it feels that way this is great cool yeah so one of the many masters one of the many masters well I had to put two in because you never know you're buyer these days no it's true it's absolutely true and there's some remarkable features in this room, not, not the least of which is the glass. Right. Well, the glass is an interesting feature. Uh, it, it took, uh, you know, Champion Crane uh, 10 or 12 uh, times over to the property when they would finally just pick up my call and come over uh, at the end. So um, we had to actually have a crane uh, come and, uh, and crane this 3,000-pound piece of glass over the house um, to to get it in it's storefront and it's particular in the master bedroom upstairs as well as the master bathroom tell me about the 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 glass in general in this house between between the the glass you have here the glass you have in the other rooms i mean every, the, the glass the, railing the, the the railing the doors everything was designed to the mirrors everything was was designed here to take advantage of a view, which is remarkable. Correct. And also to move light around as much as you possibly could. Right. 
And that goes along with the articulation of the building to the sun uh, that the old architect did too. We wanted to, uh, <laughs> no pun on words, magnify you know, that fact uh, and really use his, his original design uh, and then build on top of that. Uh, that's why we put all glass in the areas that, that we did and, uh, yeah, and, and really, really used it to the best of our advantage and make the property feel like you're really outside, although that you're inside, you know, downstairs opens up to the pool and it makes the house feel twice as big because that pool deck's massive, but as well upstairs, you feel like you're. I don't know. I want to use the term untethered or, or not walled off. You, you, you have this sense of openness and I wanted to keep that, uh, upstairs and being enclosed to, and, and, and to kind of mate that with the downstairs. Well, I mean, let's be honest, this whole project is untethered and open to the point where you've got a landing pad outside. Right. Explain, explain right. that. Uh, the, uh, the, Workhorse uh, Surefly quadcopter pad. Um, do you have another one? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a couple others coming out. Um, no, that's but I the mean, company you, I partnered with. You actually built it into the design, and, Correct. and it's just it's just fascinating because I hadn't heard about this before we we first spoke, and it's a it's a it's a people mover. It is a people mover, um, and people are going to get pretty shocked at, at what's going to happen in the future. When is when is this? When is this supposed to roll out? So I, I came into uh, awareness when I uh, put a deposit down because I was like, oh, you know, GoFundMe campaigns, whatever. Um, they work. They don't work. Uh, let me get in on something. And I like the fact that that's actually going to happen. And the FAA is in process of, of permitting that particular machine. Um, and in a couple of years, you're going to be able to not necessarily fly from your house right away, but you're going to be able to move around traffic. You know, Uber's doing Elevate. So in 2023, Uber's planning on doing air taxi service in Los Angeles. Um, I like it because it takes a big problem away from living in the hills or living a little bit further out of town. Not that this house is, is out of town. It's really close. It's one of the reasons I like this house is you're really close to sunset. You're not 40 minutes up the hill and in Stone Canyon or, you know, on Linda Flora and it takes you half an hour to get down. You're, you're pretty close. But for those guys that actually do live up there, uh, when the FAA uh, finally al allows you to fly in and out of your house, um, you know, it's definitely going to change society. Well, it, it is. And we, you know, we were talking about this before, how as an Angelino, I've, I've seen, you know, the big joke when I was in high school, it wasn't a joke. It was true at the time, 20 minutes to get you anywhere because LA was, was such a mobile city Yeah, because we were built with these big wide freeways. Well, the more people that came here, we got denser and denser and denser. And, and before you know it, you know, the, the infill has basically filled in yep. and there is no place, there's no place else to go. Yeah. You're frozen. Yeah. So it's the next level. You know, Elon wanted to do tunnels and you know, that's another uh, solution to the problem, but we have this vast open space above us. And just as back in the early years when 
people said, oh, those horseless carriages are going to kill people and they're going to destroy society and there's accidents and they're running off the road. Yeah, there's going to be crash here and there. It's how we learn. But if we don't take a risk, if you don't take a risk, like I put all my cards on the table to do this house and I risked everything to build this structure. If we don't take a risk as a society to try something new, we're never going to grow. So that's why I wanted to put my foot forward and engineer a landing pad into the house. You can't use it right away, but hopefully in the future you will be able to. So what, what extra requirements? Well, I mean, you have to do all your impact calculations and your load calcs. My structural engineer had to go back through everything and double check and make sure that we, uh, you know, that we were within our limits uh, structurally, engineering wise. Um, And then I basically drew a line with Brooke Gardner and proposed a question. Okay, I don't want to put a concrete deck you know, across the whole thing so that we can have gains in our engineering calcs. Uh, what do we do here? So we were posed with that question and we decided to do uh, kind of like a, it's a Brazilian hardwoods called Balau. We used red Balau throughout the house. Uh, a lot of people are using Ipe now. Ipe's great, but it has a greenish tint. And with our brown tones, I didn't want to go full army you know, I, I wanted to go more uh, along the red and yellow line, so we decided to use Balau. And we did a Balau deck to, to also, abs- as a shock absorber, if you will, on the basement roof. Uh, and then I also added a bunch of uh, LVLs um, to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, accommodate the eye joists um, in, the, uh, in the load. So what's interesting, too, is the... the- the way that you've thought about this property, the way that, that this project was thought out, you've got you've got a two car garage with a lift right. to accommodate a third. You've got two Tesla batteries, hardwired, installed, ready to go, connected to the solar array on the roof, which is on the roof that the entire house is operating. So between that and the mobility issue, that while you can't use it now. You know, you'll be able to use it when it's when it's FAA, FAA approved. Right. It, it, so you've, you've accounted for a lot of things, that, especially where we are. Because you know what? This is not necessarily a difficult property to get to. No more difficult than, than anywhere else in the city. Right now. Yeah. Well, when traffic gets worse, it will be. Everyone will have that same issue. Right. What, what I wanted to provide my buyer with was the, the pallet... Um, I got everybody started. You know, you have 30 solar panels on the roof, um, and that's the starter system to run the entire pr- project off the grid. You know, I gave them two Tesla power walls with the ability and the pre-wire to add four to six more so you don't actually need to be connected. You could run the entire house off of solar and your batteries and not use the grid whatsoever. Um, so I gave them that start if they want to do that. I don't know which way they want to go, but I, it's my job to provide that blank canvas and, 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 and say, okay, now take it one step further. It really is an interesting idea considering to be in-city, off-grid. Off-grid. Yeah. Right. It, it really is. And when you add the transportation factor in, um, you really truly can, you know, 
you can be living and prepared for the future yeah. in this in this particular property. Yeah. Great. <laughs> The atrium. I love the atrium. Too. You do. You do love I the do. atrium. I love the atrium. <laughs> it, it's 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 funny because you know sometimes with with an atrium, you feel like it was put there specifically to be an atrium. It was almost like intended for that, so it sort of took away from other areas of the of the house or cut into a room. It, it's it's absolutely naturally placed here. What was yeah. it before? This was all part of a den and a bar area. So the footprint is sort of the same. This actually was a cabinet space that came out. And I reconfigured the entry and added the atrium just to give it. So when you come in the space, the first thing you see is the Getty, really. And you also then look to the side and you see this atrium that allows you to see sort of through the rest of the house. It also adds a space to add color and to have just the elements of really the indoor brought, the outdoor brought indoor. <laughs> um, the original house had sort of a makeshift atrium over where the current stair is. Oh, there, so there was one in here before? There was. Okay. There was. It was sort of an atrium that didn't have glass around it. There's just sort of a pile of rocks and some greenery. So somebody put a yard in the middle of the house? Essentially, yes. Okay. There was right. a really cool Buddha statue, though. But I, I wanted to sort of keep that element of the house because it is, it does have sort of a, a cool vibe. And it really does make you feel like you're bringing the outdoors in. Okay. It is open air. It's a real tree, real plants. <laughs> but when you come in the front door, what you see is the Getty. And I also wanted you to be able to feel like you could see the rest of the house. And it just creates sort of, I feel, an elegant partition between the dining room and the entry and the family room area. So it, it sort of directs you in space but it also allows for an open feel all right so this this is you like this bathroom you like this bathroom a lot i do i really do the original thought in building this house was we didn't want it to feel like a spec house we wanted it to feel like a custom house so i sort of designed it as okay well if this was my bathroom if i was the client what would i want and I wouldn't want just a box with, you know, your bathtub and a shower and a toilet and some vanities. I wanted it to feel like a real space. So I created a tub niche. I added in um, this detail of sort of keeping the wood wrapping and then the tile meeting that with this brass What tile is channel. that? It's a Nero Marquina. Okay. So I liked just, I wanted to do something that felt really um, luxurious and I sort of was thinking my muse was sort of Tom Fordish when I was designing this. <laughs> so I wanted to keep it kind of, you know, not decadent, but just very no, it's, sophisticated it, and it kind is, of like. <laughs> it is, it is de decadent though. It, it is very sophisticated, but it, but it's also, it's also, it's also a little decadent. You, you've got, you've got the. You know, you've got the sort of the metal woven between the wood and the tile, which is stunning, and that ties in with the lights. Again, the lights are, I love the lights in here. They're beautiful. Those are visual. Pretty much all the lights in the house are visual comfort. 
they beautiful. The plumbing is waterworks. Um, and everything, all the tile, once again, keeping the uh, materials really minimal. So it's just the Nera Marquina and the wood and the brass. How many, how many bathrooms are in this house? There are, there's um, one in each bedroom. So there's four bedrooms, actually four guest bedrooms and then two master suites. So you have six, a powder room and a pool bath. Lots of bathrooms, lots of bathrooms and lots of storage in this house. Really? And they're all, they're all different, but they all tie seamlessly into one another. Again, back to keeping the uh, material palette really minimal. Yeah. Um, all of the bathrooms are kind of the same material. I mean, the, this bathroom is the near Marquina. The upstairs master is called Snow White, which is a white bathroom. So we sort of have the dark and the light. So if someone... Um, you know, it was like, I prefer the, the light and airy bathroom. And then someone else is like, I like the really dark and brooding bathroom. Yeah. Like you can have your pick. And then the guest bed, guest bathrooms um, are, there's four. So two of them are very similar materials. And then the other two are similar materials. If that makes sense. <laughs> Total sense. All right. Perfect. Wait, tell me about this too. So you've got the, you've got the bath niche on one side. You've got and then the a shower niche, basically. So yeah. it, it basically mirrors each other. Um, so a nice, large walk-in bathroom. It's a steam shower. Okay. And what's interesting, too, is, and you don't hear this often, is every bathroom seems to have an inordinate amount of windows and a ton of natural Having, light. Yeah, which I think is important in a bathroom to have natural light. If there's something... Just depressing about a bathroom without natural light. Well, I mean, obviously not everybody can have that, but it really, if you can, if you can do that, it makes such a difference. Yeah. And especially when, when you've got views like this that you get from every room in the yeah. house. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like this. This is the upstairs master. This is the opposite of the dark brooding Tom Ford bathroom <laughs> downstairs. Now we've got the complete opposite and the... Again, with the windows, you don't normally talk about what a spectacular view a bathroom It's pretty has. spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> it really I mean, is. There's no denying that. No. I, I feel like it is opposite, but um, only sort of in color. I mean, I think it still feels, um, it doesn't feel to me like they're two totally separate things. Like they're different, but the, um, you know, the tile size is the same in a lot of places and the the use of minimal materials so there's basically two material you know three materials in here maybe um with the slab on the counter the tile and then the wood color so really minimal materials but used sort of in a way that adds to that sort of luxury feeling that I think the downstairs bathroom has as well. Yeah, and it's interesting too cuz what was done in here is you've got the standalone tub. Right. And then you've got spectacular views juxtaposed against some mirror, which is great trick to, to just wash this entire room with light. Yeah, I felt, I mean, the, the concept too was the same as, as creating space in a room rather than just having everything's open. You know, I, I created a shower that was sort of more built in. You have the built-ins to the side in front of the bathtub. So it's sort of using space and creating space in a way that feels 
inviting and feels like it is a space. It's not just a bathroom with some stuff in it. It's actually really thought out in a, in a space that you feel um, comfortable in and that you feel like there is there has been care taken in designing it. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that you would have done differently? Um, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, there's always room for improvement. It's not like I'm saying it's perfect, but I kind of feel that we, you know, Rick allowed me to do what I wanted to do and to use the materials I wanted to use. So I feel like it's pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, no. And, and by the way, I'm asking the question because I can't see anything that looks like it should be different. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, it, it was, I really thought about everything. I really did. I drew everything out. I, you know, labored over it. I, I really wanted to make sure that all the details were right. And I think both Rick and I are really detail oriented. And we, like, like I said before, we really wanted to feel like it was a custom home that someone, that we actually had a client that we were building this for that was really high end and really appreciated, um, you know, attention to detail and fine craftsmanship. Well, I think that's the difference too, is the, the attention to detail. So you have these massive windows and they're just stunning for the views, but you, you also made sure to offer the privacy in these spaces as well. You Motorized put- drapery to, to cover the window yeah yeah and also with the the shelves and then the undershelf lighting it's just everything's there yeah I think we you know sometimes you see that and it feels really kind of glitzy and vegasy but I think it works in here like it's not too over over the top it's just enough to add a little bit of pizzazz a little bit of detail without it feeling yeah and it's it's a gimmick and it's interesting because you you can't see any of the wiring as a matter of fact if I wasn't looking directly up at it I wouldn't know it's there but I imagine that at night it's definitely because you don't have to have the overheads on (laughs) yeah I think at night this house actually um it kind of does feel like a different house it feels very dramatic but in a sophisticated way like it's not like I said it's not vegasy you know, it just feels, um, it just feels really nice. I think like I could, I'm like, I could live here. <laughs> totally. I can see it. Oh, this is cool. This view is absolutely spectacular. It is. So I imagine the influence designing the inside when you've got a view like this how does that how does that affect you how does that help you work um I mean well one just showing up every day to this in and of itself is an inspiration yeah. I mean it's sort of like okay this doesn't suck you know yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think uh, I had my friends um Brit and Lisa from Lundove studio here and they did the fireplace wall and they said the same thing and they'd show up and be like okay it's not a bad place to show up to you know like it's it's <laughs> like how do you complain but I think inspiration wise it sort of is bringing the outside in like I talked about with the atrium it's it's definitely sort of you want to feel like it's just a natural flow between the inside and outside like you, it, you just it's just really comfortable and you know inviting and was it a challenge to design the house, it sounds stupid saying it, but was it a challenge designing the house to take full advantage of this, but 
but still not overdo it? Um, I don't think so. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but I, I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't, I don't think Rick felt that way. I think Rick really embraced the views and really embraced, um, you know, making like drawing your eye outside is not a bad thing. You know, it's like the inside is, I, I know we put a lot of time and attention to the inside and making sure everything is perfect inside but that doesn't take away from the beauty that's outside yeah well and it's interesting and vice versa and to that point you know the doors all fold so you basically you open up one entire side of the of the whole yes, house that was original that was sort of the original idea of the house so we kept a lot of original ideas and sort of just modernized them and and sort of brought it back to more functionality it's it's great. It really is. Um, how easy or difficult were these doors to work with? Was this fo- footprint to work with? And the reason I ask the question is because, okay, so you think about when you're designing a house like this, you think about how is it going to be used. So you've got the pool right outside the main living space. Mm-hmm. The instinct is, okay, if you want to run inside, it's it's a natural doorway into the house but clearly you don't want people who are kids whatever who are using the pool going into the house so there's a downstairs bathroom you planned for that yes but you have to really think through how a place like this is going to be used yeah I mean I'm you know Rick was really Rick was sort of took the reins on the doors and kind of keeping you know just making sure all that was working properly Um, I was sort of more dealing with the interior finishes and the spaces within the spaces sort of (laughs) um so I feel like the pool bath for instance like you talked about we did really think about okay well if you're having parties you know people you'll send people down to that bathroom rather than traipsing through the main house um you know I thought oh we should probably put in a door that we could close off the main living space downstairs from the pool bath in case you know you have people at your house because sometimes people end up at your house so you don't know who they are you know friends bring friends what kind of parties are you having <laughs> friends bring friends I don't know or you're having you know you're hosting an event you know okay. for a, a foundation or something sure. like you know so you have people in your house that you may not necessarily know okay so you send people downstairs you can lock a door so they can't enter the rest of your house um you can kind of if it's if you have art say because there's a gallery downstairs so if you have like priceless art and you don't want people traipsing through that uh, you know without you knowing what's going on you can close that off and that sort of nothing really gets ruined you send people to the pool bath they come back up it's great um you know so we we did think about really how someone would live in this house and if if i lived here what would i want and how would I live? And th- that's pretty much how, how Rick and I both approached it. What's your favorite part of this project? My favorite part? I just, I love the materials. I love um, just the things that I got to put in the house. I just, I, I love, I love the fixtures that we chose. I love just the colors of everything that is just really warm. And um, that's probably what I say is probably the materials. Okay, and again, when you get to come to work every day, and this is what you're working with, it's got to be incredibly inspirational. It is. Yeah, yeah I imagine. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah, <laughs> me either. Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture 
It's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendôme pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendôme products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendôme spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendôme mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendôme before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in LA, or online at Vendôme.com. Mm-hmm.